Welcome to Faith Church. Man, we are so thrilled to have you here today. Uh, my name's Matthew, and if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I uh, look forward to maybe doing that right after the service at the welcome spot. Uh, but we are, man, just, uh, just thrilled and overjoyed that you are here today with us as well. We get ready to, man, kick off a brand new series today entitled, God Never Said That. God Never Said That. Now, I want to right up top give credit where credit is due and say thank you to uh, our friends at Life.Church and Pastor Craig Rochelle for their generosity. They, they give away a ton of resources to local churches, and uh, we were able to kind of get this idea for this framework of the series, as well as some of the videos and imagery that we're going to be using throughout this series, uh, they gave away, and so we're grateful for it. Uh, the messages that we're going we're gonna to hear and that, that I'm, I'm going to deliver are, are things that God's been speaking to me that I want to bring to you, but kind of some of the graphics and things came from them, and we just wanted to say thank you right off, right off the bat. We're going we're gonna to dive into this subject for the next four weeks about the things that we say that we assume God said, but God never, God never said those things. We're going to take four weeks, and I'm real, real excited. In fact, I'm super pumped about week number four, because week number four, you get to help us decide what it is that we're going to preach. We want to invite you to, to kind of partner and chime in with us. So, so here's how you can do that. Uh, on our central hub, faithchurchks.org, you could go right there on your phone right now. There's a card there that says Sermon Notes. If you click in on that card, you can read the scriptures that we're going to be reading together, see some of the main points today. But there's a, a survey there where you can let us know, select one of six options uh, for what we're going to cover in week number four. So you get to kind of help me write the sermon for week number four. We want to bring a message that's going to really help you and encourage you. And so let us know which one you think, man, this would be really great to hear about and hear the truth behind. And so uh, go to the Central Hub, vote, let us know what it is that, that you would love to hear us talk about, and, and uh, that, that'll help us kind of shape and make a decision on week number four as we talk about what God never said, that God never said that. We, we love to give little nuggets of wisdom, little sound, sound bites of sympathy to people. Uh, we love to try and help people feel comforted or encouraged or, or what have you. And we have these all, these nice little cliches that we say, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you, you've probably heard some of these cliches and these phrases that we're going to talk about in this series. And, and we say them with good intentions. The only problem is our intentions don't make up for the fact that they're just not true and that God never said those things. Uh, today, the first phrase that we want to look at is the phrase, God never gives you more than you can handle. God never gives you more than you can handle uh, as a way of all participation here this morning. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? God never gives you more than you can handle. I'm not going to ask you which, which of you are liars and have told that to people before, but that's for another subject for another day. God never gives you more than you can handle. I want to look at a, a scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 9 as we get started this morning. And then we'll unpack it together. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6, says this. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety. 
One version says, all your cares, anything that concerns you or that you care about, cast that to God. Why? Goes on to tell us, because he cares for you. Turn to your neighbor and says, hey, he cares. He cares. He cares. Because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Going and enduring the same kind of suffering. God never gives you more than you can handle. Turn to your neighbor and says, God never said that. I've grown up in the church. I've been uh, in full-time ministry for over 16 years. And you don't have to grow up in the church to recognize that oftentimes when challenges or changes take place in our life, we automatically start looking beyond ourselves for some help. I don't know if you are aware of this, but, but two times, there are two such seasonal life changes, major changes in life that occur that cause people to try church, maybe for the first time or to go back to church. Two, two times. One, when, when somebody dies, when they experience death in the family, it sparks this idea like, oh my gosh, this hurts. I don't know what to do. I need help. I need to talk. And they are confronted with the finality of their lives. And so they're like, well, maybe let's, let's figure out what God's got. Maybe God's got some help for me. So when tragedy strikes, we try God because of, of those tragedies. The, the second reason that people uh, often will make a change and look to spiritual thoughts is when they have a baby, because all of a sudden, they're faced with this life that now they have to take care of, and they're like, uh, this could go wrong really, really quick. I'm going to need a little more help. Maybe I ought to try God. I think it works for a lot of people. I went to school, uh, children's church growing up. Maybe that'll help my kids. I need help. I'm over my head. Let's try this thing out. Whether good or bad, when change comes in our lives, we often are looking for, a re we're often looking for something. We start looking beyond ourselves. And oftentimes the complexities of life, while they might feel like they're being helped by the cliches, they're really not helping us. When, when people are walking through a difficult season, we say, hey, man, God never gives you more than you can handle. It's all right. God never gives you more than you can handle. We're trying to help. We're trying to encourage them. We're trying to, to, to maybe comfort them a little bit, but, but oftentimes it falls short of actually being helpful. See, see, because it's in these moments when we're trying to be in comfort that we actually just create more confusion. See, because there's a mom who's been really, really faced with a challenging situation of, of a child who's facing a life-threatening illness. And we come along as sympathetic as we can and say, oh, God never gives you more than you can handle. And she's sitting there thinking, man, I, I, don't, I, I know I can't handle this. So where's God in all of this then? 
Like, why can't I handle this? Why can't I figure this out? Why, why can't I? And we end up finding ourselves in these moments being confused because we thought we could handle it because God wouldn't allow it to happen. And so if God wouldn't allow us to, to go through something that we couldn't handle, well, then who in the world do I turn to when I can't handle what it is that I'm facing? I think sometimes we, we, we say, oh, man, God, God never gives you more than you can handle. And we're really, truly, sincerely trying to be helpful and encouraging to people. And we want to give them a sense of confidence. But ultimately, I think we're just creating this faulty sense of cockiness instead. God never gives you more than you can handle. Therefore, whatever it is that you're facing, you can handle it. You've got the strength. You can do it. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Man up, make it happen. You can, you, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And we automatically think that our strength is enough to get us through. But what happens when you don't have the strength? What happens when it's over your head, over your, your realm of ability? What if, what, if, what if things are happening outside your scope of control that you didn't choose, but yet it's chosen you? And this idea that God never gives you more than you can handle leaves us in the lurk, leaves us wondering, confused, sometimes hurt, sometimes offended and mad. Because somebody who meant well, who, who said that they were speaking, that God, no, not, God never gives you more than you can handle. The only problem is God never said that. God never said that. God never said that he wouldn't give us more than we can handle. I want you to understand, here's the, here's the big idea today. The bottom line for this whole, whole message is this. Some things will be over your head because they're not meant to be in your hands. There are some things that you'll experience in life that are over your head because they're not meant to be in your hands. In fact, the more that they're in, the longer they're in your hands, the more you mess them up. And the more you keep them in your hands, the more struggle you find. The more you keep them in your hands, the more doubts grow. The more you keep them in your hands, the more chaos begins. Because there are some things in your life that you're going to face some change, some challenge, some transition. Something's going to happen, and it's going to feel like it's over your head. And that's because it is. Because when it's over your head, then it's out of your hands. And some things are meant to be over your head because they are not meant to be in your hands at all. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. You weren't meant to handle it. And, and, and oftentimes when we think about this phrase, ah, man, God never gives you more than you, you can handle, uh, we're really trying to encourage people or try and help. And there are really kind of two different ideas that we try and provide this little nugget of wisdom, but, but I think it falls short a little bit of, of God's truth. See, I, I believe that there's something that sounds like God but isn't actually God doesn't have the power that we need to change our life. Cute cliches look great on a coffee cup but won't change your marriage. What you need is something rooted in the truth of what God's word because God's word actually is powerful. God's word actually can help transform your life. It actually will help you no matter the challenge that you face. And there is a lot of truth in God's word about things being over your head because they're supposed to be out of your hands. But there are two kind of 
ideas that I want to help us see as we look at what God's word really does say. And these two, two ideas, two words are this, sin struggle and suffering. Sin struggle and suffering. God never gives you more than you can handle. We say it because there's a sin struggle. People are struggling. They're, they're falling. They keep messing up. I got not, God's not giving me. There's a sin struggle. But then we also say it in times when people are experiencing really tough, tough challenges, difficulties, when there is suffering in our world. So what does God have to say about the sin struggle and the suffering that we face? If, if, if God never said he'll never give us more than we can handle, then what did God say? Well, let's look at kind of where this idea kind of grows from, and it starts in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Jesus, or, uh, Paul is writing, and he says these words. No temptation has overtaken you except what is, what is common to mankind. In other words, if there is breath in your lungs, you're likely to experience temptation. Does it make you evil? Does it make you unlovable? Does it mean God's mad at you? No, you're facing temptation because you are mankind. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Everybody say faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you, here's, here's what his word says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So what God actually says in his word is that you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. Not whatever it is that you're facing, you can handle it. That's different. He said there is no sin, there is no temptation that you will face that you don't have access to the ability to overcome that sin. The sin struggle doesn't have to be a struggle because God is faithful. But when you are tempted, just because you have access or there are ways to avoid sin doesn't mean you won't be tempted. So he says, but when you are tempted, he being God will also provide a way out so that you can endure the temptation. In other words, when temptation comes a knocking, there's also going to be an escape hatch somewhere to help you not get trapped to not do the thing that you don't want to do, to not miss the mark, to, to not struggle with the sin. There is a way out to overcome the sin and the struggle in the sin that you might be facing. The sin struggle is, is real, and, and ultimately the sin struggle comes down to this, understanding that temptation is about our choices. Temptation is only temptation because there's a desire in our heart for that. If there wasn't a desire in us to choose it, it wouldn't be a temptation. I know that's really simple, and you would think you expect something a little more helpful, but I just need you to understand that temptation is really about your choices. The sin struggle is really about do you choose it or do you not choose it? Which means that if you have to choose sin, then there's also a possibility that you could not choose sin. At the end of the day, this idea of temptation, temptation kind of reveals our character. The choices that you make day in and day out, man, they're, they're going to reveal 
your character. They're going to reveal something about, about your, your, your character. The, the choices that you make actually come from a place of belief. In other words, you're making a choice because you have a belief about something. Like, like, like today, the temptation might come as you are driving down the road to get angry because everybody's driving the same way and they're not driving the speed limit that you think they should be driving. You're going to be tempted to wave with single fingers. Oh, just, just some of us aren't that saved. Yeah, okay, that's me. That's fine, fine, fine. I'll take that. The temptation will be there. Doesn't mean you have to choose it. Come, come 4 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to be deep in your Sunday nap, and your kids are going to come yelling and fighting all through the living room, waking you up from your precious Sunday afternoon sleep, and there will be a temptation to murder someone. Because you believe that you have now been wronged. Your choices actually shape from a place of, of belief. And most of the time, our beliefs reveal our identity. Our beliefs reveal who we think we are. I, I love how, as we get ready to kick off connect groups, we have a connect group uh, uh, designed to help equip you and help you grow past the struggles and, and the things in your life, it's called freedom. And what I love about our, our Freedom Connect group, Equip group, is that, is that this, this group, it's not going to focus on the issues. We're actually going to help you discover your identity. You're like, yeah, but I, I need to deal with my issues. No, your issues only reveal your identity. And when you change your identity as to who God says that you are, you begin to live out the person that God knows that you can be. It's a, it's a diff, you start making different choices based on your understanding of your identity. Because temptation is really about your, your choices. Your choices are really formed by your beliefs. And, and your beliefs only are revealing your character or your identity. See, temptation reveals the character that we have. I think that that's why we have to understand the reason it's good news is that like, like, sin doesn't have to be our identity. Saints is the identity that God actually wants to give you. Sons and daughters is actually the identity that God wants to give you. We read it just a minute ago with communion. 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ also suffered for your sins so you could become a son and daughter of God, so that you could have this family dynamic relationship with God Almighty. Why be... Because God, God wants to change your identity back to who he created and made you to be. And, and when your identity doesn't go from broken and failed and messed up, when your identity isn't being shaped or controlled by your past, but rather about your father in heaven who has a different word that he wants to say, when that changes the sin struggle, he's giving you a way out. He's giving you a way out. Here, here's, here's what you need to understand, though. Whenever you find yourself during the sin struggle, whenever you're about to make a choice to sin, whenever you're about to, to make a choice to, to do the wrong thing that you know you shouldn't do, but you're about to do it, right? Like, like the very moment you're about to do it, he gives you an escape route. He gives you a way out. He gives you an opportunity to make a different choice every single time. You are tempted to lie to your teacher about the assignment 
and why it's not done. There will be a voice inside your little heart, inside you saying, eh, don't lie, you don't have to lie about this. Just be honest, tell the truth. That's your escape, that's your way out. Every time you're about to send an email to your coworkers gossiping about your boss and you're typing it out because you're mad and you're angry and you're about to hit send, your boss is gonna walk by and tell you you did a good job on your last project. Way out, way of an escape. Right as you're texting and you're, you're composing the message that's inappropriate that you're about to send to your high school fling, you'll get a text message from your, your spouse instead. And you'll have a choice to hit send to that other message or delete it and respond to the one that you just... What, what is that? That's God's way of giving you an escape route. It's his goodness. It's him helping you in your sin struggle to say, you might be struggling, but you don't have to. I, I've given you strength. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you take another step. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a way out. In other words, you don't have to choose. I'm going to give you an option to choose something else and make it really, really clear and to help you make a different choice. This idea that, that God never gives you more than you can handle, it, it kind of came from this idea that he's not going to give you a temptation without a way out. In other words, the temptation is not going to show up without a way out. You don't have to react in anger. You don't have to get bitter. You don't have to, to lie. There's going to be a way, a way out. Why? Because when it comes to this idea of God never gives us more than you can handle, part of that is understanding that there is a sin struggle, and it's trying to reveal your character to you, but that doesn't have to be the final reality. There is a different choice, and he does give you the power to overcome your sin, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. But there's this other, other side to this, this phrase, we talked about the sin struggle, but we also want to talk about suffering for a minute. Suffering. See, suffering isn't your choice. Like, where sin struggle and temptation, that's about your choices, suffering is something that you don't choose, but it does choose you. Suffering is the thing in your life that, 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 crushes you. Suffering is the thing that brings discomfort. Suffering is the thing that, that makes you uncomfortable in life. Suffering is the thing that you, man, you really wish doesn't happen, but man, you're facing this. The suffering is something that seems just unfair. And when we hear the phrase, ah, oh, God never gives you more than you can handle, but yet you're walking through a challenging season of suffering. The bills aren't getting paid. Friendships are falling apart. The load that you have to carry at work is seemingly insurmountable. And the suffering that comes in you, it's not a result of your choices. Often it's the result of somebody else's choice. And the suffering and the pain in our lives are there. And, and we're sitting there thinking, wait a second, I, I thought that if I got saved, I thought if I gave my life to Jesus, he would take my sins away and all suffering would be gone from my life. I thought that if I gave my life to Jesus and I started showing up to church and I did these things and I did that thing, then I wouldn't deal with pain or heartbreak ever again. Nope. If somebody told you that, they stood on a stage and says, give your life to Jesus and all your problems go away, they lied. And I'm sorry. In fact, Jesus himself, in John 16, verse 33, 
Jesus, like, walked on water. I'm assuming long hair. Don't know, know really. Could have been bald. Who knows? Jesus, like, like son of God, Jesus. Like, healed blind eyes, Jesus. Died on the cross, Jesus. Son of God, Savior of the world, Jesus says, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You don't need peace if everything is perfect. Because peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of a person. I told you these things so that you may have peace. Don't miss this. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you're going to see crap hit the fan. I'm sorry. Do I need to, like, churchify it for us? In this world, crappeth will hitteth the faneth. <laughs> Better? In this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to face disappointment. In this world, you're going to experience divorce. In this world, you're going to be defeated. In this world, you're going to suffer, and it's not because of something that you chose. It's just the reality and the existence of this broken, busted, messed up world. In this world, you're going to try things, and you're going to fail. In this world, you're going to have bosses that are absolute jerks. In this world, you're going to have neighbors that don't pick up after In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to suffer. In this world, you're going to experience things that, that aren't fun. Why, why in the world would suffering exist? You want to know why? Where, where temptation and the sin struggle reveal your character, the suffering that you face refines your character. It causes this friction and it causes you to have to choose whether or not you're going to allow God's character to grow in you, to be more like him, or you're going to live according to the world. Like, like you have to make a, there's this thing in you that gets refined. Anytime I feel like life is pressuring me, or things aren't working out, or it seems troubling, or I'm troubled about something, I often will ask the Lord, Lord, what is it in my character that needs to be refined? What is it that I need to change in my heart? What attitude, what posture, what light, what, what is it you're refining in my character, God? Because suffering refines our character. James 1, 2, and 4 says, like, brothers and sisters, whatever it is that you're facing, count it joy. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna choose joy here. When it doesn't work out the way I want, I'm gonna choose joy, not gripe. Not complain, not point fingers, not bad mouth, not gossip, not, no, no, not tuck and run. No, 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 no. I'm going to count it as, as joy because it's, it's producing something in me that otherwise wouldn't be produced. See, suffering, it, it refines our, our character. But you need to understand something. God, God doesn't leave us high and dry. I'll never give you more than you can handle. No, 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 no. He'll give you, there'll be a lot of things that come your way that you can't handle. And in the midst of it, you need to know that during the suffering, God wants to sustain you. Like, like during those moments where you can't handle it, 
his strength shows up. In those moments when you're so weak and you're so beat down and you're tired and you don't think you can go, you need to remember and realize that it's his strength that wants to sustain you. Paul wrote a third of the Bible. In in Corinthians, he's writing and he's saying, there's this thing in my life that I've three times, many times I've written and I've prayed to God, God, take this away, take this away, take this away. And God said, no. No. It's staying. Why? Because my grace, it's sufficient. My grace is actually what you need. You don't need that thing gone. What you need is more grace. You don't need the suffering to end. What you need is God's strength. You don't need the challenge to shift. What you need is a different perspective to know that he's shaping something in you. And in that process, his grace is enough. But he goes on to say that strength of God is perfected in weakness. I've never been accused of having perfect strength. But I definitely have been accused of some weaknesses. I definitely am fully aware of my weaknesses. And it's when I'm willing to recognize that I have a weakness that I'm the perfect candidate for his strength to show up. See, if you're trying to handle it on your own, you're trying to do it in your own strength. You can try it in your own strength or you can acknowledge the fact that you're a little weak and you can have perfect strength help you in that moment. The choice is yours. God never gives you more than you can handle. God never said that. But he did say that whatever it is that you face, if it's a sin struggle, he'll give you a way out and that escape to overcome, and his name is Jesus. He did say that when you face trouble, because you will, and life starts to stink and suck and you hate it and you want to run and you want to move on and you you want to just start all over, you want to hit delete and start again. No, no, in that moment, you have to recognize that in your weakness, his strength can show up and sustain you. It's his strength that will carry you on, not you handling it. Because there are so many things in your life that will be over your head because they're not supposed to be in your hand. Because you can't handle it. You can't handle it. So, so this week, when, when you recognize that things are over your head, when you recognize that you've been trying to handle something because you thought that God wanted you to handle it, but what he really wants you to do is surrender it, we're gonna do what 1 Peter 5 says. We're gonna take what's in our hands, our cares, our concerns, our anxieties, and we're gonna cast them to him. What do you mean, pastor? Is there like a special like Christian fishing rod? Or like you buy Bass Pro and like it's a whole like cast system? No, 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 not at all. Here's what I mean. Number one, acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge where you're struggling. Acknowledge where you're missing. Acknowledge where you don't have what it takes. Acknowledge your weakness. Then confess the word. Confess God's word. What is God actually saying about? He said that you're going to have trouble, but you could also have peace when you have trouble. So stand on his word. He did say that you would be tempted by sin, but he didn't say that you have to live controlled by sin. Why? Because he gave Jesus for us as an answer to the sin problem. So so what is God's word saying? 
I might be struggling in my finances, but God's word says that he's gonna provide every one of my needs according to his riches. I'm gonna find a scripture. I'm I'm gonna confess God's word. I'm gonna acknowledge my weakness. I'm gonna confess his word. And then third, I'm gonna turn that moment into worship. Literally, I'm gonna literally look at it and and acknowledge, God, I, I don't have the answer here. This is the problem that I don't have wisdom to. But God, your word says that if I lack wisdom, I can ask you for wisdom. And you're gonna give me wisdom on how to handle this situation. So God, I'm gonna take this, and in this moment, God, I'm just gonna lift my hands, and I'm gonna thank you and praise you that you're giving me wisdom. A-C-T. Acknowledge your weakness. Confess God's word, turn it to him in praise. It's the act of casting your cares. And when you get your hands up over your head, things can stay out of your hands. Why? Because there are things that feel over your head that you've been trying to hold on to, trying to handle. But the reason they're over your head is not so you can hang on for a ride. The reason they're over your head is because they're not meant to be in your hands at all. Casting all your cares, all your troubles, all your worries, all your struggles on him because he cares about you a lot. He cares about you. Will God give me more than I can handle? Yeah. Because if you could handle everything, you would be God. And you're not. But you need a God who loves you enough to walk with you no matter what. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, for many of us today, we're... You're kind of messing and disorienting us because on one hand, we've heard it our whole lives that you'll never give us more than we can handle. But although we know in our experience, there's been a lot that we just couldn't handle or we, we handled wrong or that we keep falling prey to and we stumble at the same thing again and again. Jesus, I pray that today you would help us acknowledge those weaknesses, confess your word and turn those things into praise. And it would become the act of trusting in you all over again. Lord, help us to not hold on to things that we're not meant to hold on to, but instead to surrender them to you fully and completely.